This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Ephesians chapter 3, we are uh, completing this first portion of the book of Ephesians. Our series is entitled, In Christ. I'm not going to go through everything that we do every now and then when we kind of set a reset button and go back through the whole thing. But basically, Paul is taking the first three chapters and reminding people who they are in Christ. Uh, this, the song that we sang goes perfectly with the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians. And we've learned a lot. I believe we've learned a lot. And so I want to continue learning. By the way, that's the philosophy of our church is that we preach the Bible. We preach it uh, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we do that on purpose uh, but so that you get what the Bible calls the whole counsel of God. Uh, so that you are taught portions of Scripture and preached portions of Scripture that maybe uh, you would not be preached to um, if we didn't take it sequentially through books like this. And so I hope you appreciate that. I'll be honest with you, just shooting straight. There are certain passages of scripture, um, if you've ever taught the Bible, that you're like, you get geared up for it, like, man, this is a wheelhouse. This is going to be great. Like, and it just flows from your heart right onto pen and paper, uh, iPad, uh, on a computer, and it comes right out. And then there are others uh, that you're like, okay, God, Holy Spirit, teach me. That's what I say. Teach me, open my eyes this week, this month, as I, as I focus in this area, because it's an area, it's a passage of scripture that maybe has not been like memorized as a kid in church. And it's a passage of scripture that, that maybe, let's shoot, once again, let's be honest in here, some pastors would say, oh, I'm not really exactly sure, and so let me just kind of kind of take a little detour real quick. I can kind of weasel my way around that one, and then I'll find this other part that I really want to talk about. Uh, I appreciate this method of, of preaching. And once again, not every Sunday is like a, it's like fire, July 4th fireworks show, um, but it doesn't need to be. Um, a baseball game is won not by grand slams and home runs. A baseball game is often won by bunts and stolen bases and a lack of errors. And so that's what, sometimes that's what I feel like I need to do up here. Bunt, steal a base, don't make any errors. All right, that's, that's basically what I do. But I'm, I'm excited about this passage of scripture. The Ephesians chapter 3, we learned last week that this is Paul beginning a prayer for the Christians in the town of Ephesus, the local churches that make up the churches there in Ephesus. And he begins in verse 1 a prayer, and then he kind of pauses from verse 2 down through verse 13. And he wants to remind this church of some things. And last week we talked about verses 1 through 7. And we went through some things. Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was not a prisoner of the Romans, even though he was in prison, chained to a Roman guard. He viewed himself not a prisoner of the Romans, but a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And may, maybe last week, if you took nothing else from the sermon, I hope you took that your chains are either horizontal chains, holding you back, keeping you pinned down, uh, or your chains are vertical chains, and they are chains that of Jesus carrying you and, and, and taking you through. I hope we understood that and got that from last Sunday, if nothing else. But today we're picking up in verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles or you have an app of some sort, um, if not, uh, you can look on. If not, it'll be on the screen. 
Paul says this in verse 8, To me, who am, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Remember, what was this grace that was given? What did Paul come to preach? Paul came to preach that salvation was not to the Jew only, but the salvation was to the Jews and the Gentiles. And that makes a lot of theological sense and theological waves uh, all the way back through the Old Testament. Jesus said you don't have to become a Jew to get saved. But what did we talk about uh, three weeks ago and two weeks ago? Practically speaking for, for the church at Ephesus, it was that Jesus came to unite the Jews and all those who were not the Jews, and He wanted you to worship together. And we talked about becoming a multi-ethnic uh, church and making steps and strides towards becoming more and more multi-ethnic. That was Paul speaking of this grace that was given that he should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. We talked about the mystery last week. That mystery was Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles. People that don't look like you. People that don't come from the same background as you. People that don't have the same socioeconomic status as you. Worshiping Jesus together. That was the mystery. Which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him, Jesus. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. We don't, this is not a part of the sermon today, that last verse. Paul consistently, throughout his letters that he wrote to the church, consistently made this statement that what has happened to me is to further the gospel. And Paul always had that mindset. Maybe, maybe just a, a generic truth from Paul is that Paul never really focused on where he was and what was going on in his life. He was always focused on how can this push the church? How can this push um, other uh, believers? And maybe some of us that always uh, look internally at our problems and focus so much on our problems would do ourselves a favor to flip up our heads and lift up our chins and to look outward. And say, God, how can you use what I'm going through to help um, other people? As Shauna mentioned today before she sang that song, when you sing that song and you come from a place where she came from growing up as a young person, hey, that song makes a little bit more sense. That song has a little bit more feeling to it when you've struggled with your identity and you can sing about your identity in Christ. It, it matters. And when we get our, our eyes up and we get our eyes out, as Paul did. Can we have a word of prayer this morning and then we're going to jump right into this text and walk through it this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, I pray today that your word would be anointed, God, that your word would be uh, real and, and alive as you said it is and powerful. God, when your word is to, uh, to minister to us, to encourage us, but God, sometimes your word is to uh, cut us open and reveal some areas in our lives and peel back some layers in our lives. And God, I pray whatever needs to be today would be. We love you. We thank you for giving us your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number one, I want us to see this in verse 8. Paul's humble approach. Paul's humble approach to me who am, the, who am less than the least of all the saints. I mean, he's saying if there was a zero through ten, zero is the least and I'm in the negatives. That's what he says. So this is Paul. Once again, if we took a vote in here and we were to say who other than Jesus... Who is the greatest Christian of all time? 
If we were to make that vote, I mean, for me, it would be a tie between like my grandma and Paul, right? Everybody's, everybody's grandma is like the best Christian that they ever know, right? She would like cuss you in one minute and pray for you the next, right? So that's, you know, praise the Lord. We got to love grandparents. I just want to know, when do I get to the age when it's acceptable for me to cuss at people one minute and then pray for them the next minute? I just, as a pastor, I'm looking forward to that age. So anyway, but if we were to ask, what is, what are the, who's the greatest Christian? I think many of us would say the name of the apostle Paul. We would say Paul. And, and you say, why? Well, Paul planted churches and Paul uh, went all over uh, that known world at the time and proclaimed Jesus. Amen, he did. And he is an, uh, one of the most amazing Christians that we have on record through Scripture and other historical uh, documents. But Paul was humble. I don't know about you, but I, I know people... They're really good at what they do. They truly are. But if you don't think they are, just ask them. You ever been around those people? Raise your hand. Interactive. Come on. Are they in, if they're in this room, point, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't point at them. I'm joking. I think we all know people at our jobs that are really, really good at what they do at their job. And they want to make sure that everybody kind of knows that they're really, really good at what they do at their job. Um, I, I've, I've met people, uh, you know, in the sports world. There's something about an athlete, and if uh, you see college coaches that recruit different uh, you know, basketball or football players, and I often hear this, hey, he's just a humble kid. A humble kid. It's not gotten to his head. Well, Paul takes this uh, to another level in his humble approach. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul again says this, verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. You see, while we all see Paul the apostle, the traveler, the missionary, the preacher, you know what Paul never forgot? Paul the persecutor. Paul the killer of Christians. Paul the man who stood at the feet of Stephen while he was stoned and killed and martyred. Paul never forgot where he came from. And we've talked about our identity uh, the first couple chapters of the book of Ephesians. I'm not saying we need to always live in this, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Because when you got saved, you're no longer a sinner. And you have been changed. Your identity has changed. You are now a child of God. You are a Christian. However, you should never forget where you came from. You should never forget where you came from. Hey, if you're the CEO of Chick-fil-A... You should never forget putting waffle fries in the fryer. And thank you, by the way, for all those who do. All right? If you become the, you know, the, the, the CEO of some Fortune 500 tech company, you should never forget the first day on the job when you were just an IT assistant. We should never forget where we came from. And Paul never forgets where he came from. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's simply thinking of yourself less. And Paul modeled this humility. I wonder this morning where Paul got this humility from. I think I know. To his letter, in his letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 2, Paul says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, what is the mind of Christ? Did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Maybe that's humility in a, in a phrase. 
He made himself of no reputation. Jesus did not care what you thought about him. He did not care for the credit. In fact, many times after he would heal the sick, he would tell them, do not speak of this. Just go back to your place. He would even tell them, like, keep it quiet. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You see, if Paul the Apostle, the greatest missionary, the greatest Christian that we know of, if he was humble, more than that, if Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless Son of God, sent from heaven with no sin in him, with all wisdom, if he was humble, then why are we so proud and arrogant? Why do we feel like we've got it all figured out? Why can we not have a humble approach? You say, I'm not prideful and and arrogant. Just making that statement shows a portion of pride and a portion of arrogance. You know, the humble person says, you know, I I need to work in this area. You know what I am? There's areas in my life that the Holy Spirit works on me, and I'm showing pride in that area. Man, I think I'm better than that person. I think that's a humble person. A humble person is always considering their pride. When a person thinks that they have, fi- have it figured out, they haven't. It's the old preacher joke, and I'm sorry, every now and then you get them. You know, that's like that book that you see at the, at the Christian bookstore, Humility and How I Attained It, right? That book's not written. Because if you wrote that book, you just disqualified yourself from writing that book. Humility is like the weirdest thing. If you think you've grasped it, guess what? Sign number one that you've not grasped it, right? Humility is like the never-ending cycle, kind of like your kids singing on a 10-hour trip and they won't be quiet. It's kind of that never-ending cycle, the song that never ends. It goes on and on, my friends. It really does. Humility. John Newton said it this way, I'm persuaded that love and humility are the highest attainments in the school of Christ and the brightest evidences that he indeed is our master. I love that phrase, the school of Christ. It's, it, it just insinuates that we are constantly learning about Jesus. How many of you have been saved in this room for 20 years or more? Raise your hand, you've been saved for 20 years or more? Hey, guess what? You're in school. You're in the school of Christ. You never graduate until you leave this earth. And I love that statement, just that statement in the school of Christ. But he says that love and humility are the highest attainments in the school of Christ. And I will submit to you today that both love and humility are things that we will constantly be working toward. This Christian life is not a destination. This Christian life is a step-by-step journey as we walk in love, as we walk in humility, as we walk in humility, as we walk in humility. Paul's humble approach, number one. But number two, let's look at this, Paul's gospel message. Paul's gospel message. Let's continue there in verse 8, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of 
of Christ, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And, and very uh, politely this morning, uh, very appropriately this morning, let me say this, God did not pa- call Paul to feed the poor. Just stay with me before you crucify me. God did not call Paul to feed the poor. God did not call Paul to start a medical facility that would treat uh, underprivileged people that needed uh, medical supplies. God did not call Paul to start a children's home. God did not uh, call Paul to do a million other things that are awesome. A million other things that are great. A million other things that need and we need to do and we need to be a part of. But Paul's primary calling was to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. He wasn't preaching his opinion. He wasn't preaching a a list of morals. He wasn't preaching what he felt like preaching that day. No, he wanted to preach about the riches of Christ. See, Paul went around city to city, country to country, by boat, by land, and he proclaimed the name of Christ. That was his mission. And let me say this, at Keystone Church, I will make this statement because we will follow through on this. While we will feed the poor, while we will clothe the cold, while we will house the children and we will support ministries that do that, we do it every month. While we will do that, while we will uh, serve with the, with the Durham Rescue Mission, while we will uh, try to help that struggling family, while we will do all of those things, primary, primary, we will preach Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And I'm going to make some statements. If you're a part of culture like this, just bear with me for a second. I believe that far too many churches hand a cold kid a coat and never explain to that kid Jesus Christ. And let me say this. We need to give as many coats as we can. But giving a coat in Jesus' name is a good thing. Giving Jesus is the best thing. And every coat that we give, we ought to be looking for an open door to present Jesus. Look for an open door to, to present Jesus. Uh, this is a little harsh, but, but a coat never sent someone to heaven. A coat never kept someone from hell. If you're going there, you don't need a coat. You're good. It's going to be hot. All right? I am awful. Listen, I hope you know my heart in this. If you've been in our church for any amount of time, I think you know my heart in this. We spend money. We take our outreach budget, and our outreach budget goes local, and we we provide food, and we help people, and we donate to people, and we do all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, my heartbeat is for the dead to come alive. My heartbeat is for the lost to be found. And all those social aspects of it, all of those humanitarian aspects, all they are are tools. All they are avenues for us to display the love of Christ to everyone. And may we not mix that up. May we not get so focused on the humanitarian that we miss the gospel. But let's be fair. Let us also not get so focused on throwing Jesus in someone's face that they say, Hey, I was cold. Hey, I was, I was hungry. Like, I appreciate you, like, throwing God's plan of salvation down my throat. But I needed a cheeseburger, man. I needed a... I was, I, my family was struggling. I needed someone to come and just pray for us. May we balance the two. May we be very balanced. 
Because I believe there are ditches on both sides of that road. And I want us to walk straight down the middle of that road. Someone asked me just this week, what do you guys do for outreach? And I said, well, right now, nothing organized per se. But in 2019, get ready. Uh, in 2019, we've got a lot of things planned. And some of you are about to get in on a meeting that you don't know about. And uh, we're, gonna, we're discussing it for 2019. Get ready. How can we serve our community better? How can, we, how can we give the gospel to more people this year in 2019? How can we create conversations that lead straight to the gospel? How can we feed the poor? How can we go into communities and not just give them a pizza and think we did some amazing duty because we handed somebody a little Caesar's pizza? Or we spent 700 bucks and put up a, a bounce house for their kids to play for two hours. It's good. How can we take that next step? How can that family who comes for their kids to jump on the bounce house, how can we get to know them? How can they get our cell phone number? How can we get their cell phone number? How can we have a meal together? How can they come over to my house? How can we go have coffee? As I told you, you drink coffee, I'll drink water. How can we go out for water? How can we do that? How can we make that happen? That's what we want to do because, because Paul came to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man, Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And while Paul and Jesus' mission, while it did include meeting physical needs, it was always to get them to a point where they could meet their spiritual need. And we must keep that our main focus. How bad of it would it be of us to reach out to a family or to a person and show them love by giving them something and let them walk away without hearing the greatest news that they could ever hear, and that's that Jesus loves them and wants a relationship with them, wants to be their Savior. So number one, we saw Paul's humble approach. Number two, we saw the gospel message preached by Paul. But number three, we see Paul's proclamation of the mystery, and we're not going to belabor this point, even though Paul did. I'm not going to, but he says in verse 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That's a cool word. Help me out. The mystery was Jews and Gentiles. The mystery was the Asian and the Latino. The mystery was the African-American and the white. The mystery was the German and the Italian. The mystery was anybody from anywhere coming together because the cross united us to God and the cross is supposed to unite us to other people. I love the word he uses, the fellowship of the mystery. He explained the fellowship of the mystery. He was proclaiming and making all see the fellowship of the mystery and that is that Jews, Gentiles from all different backgrounds and all different uh, codes and all different credences and all different uh, religious backgrounds would come together under Jesus Christ. From the, which, I'm sorry, I need to get back in scripture. To make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God may be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Who was Paul preaching to? Literally anyone who would listen. He wanted to make all see. 
His goal was to make all see and to understand this mystery. And that meant that Paul would preach anywhere to anyone, to the rich, to the poor, to the businessman, to the politician, to the farmer, to the tax collector. Paul would preach to anyone and tell them about this mystery. And you say, Paul seems to talk about this mystery a lot. Yeah, he does. Because repetition is the key to learning. And Paul repeats it. And he repeats it. And he repeats it. So get ready, Keystone Church. Pastor Josh is going to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. We must take steps, tangible, real steps, towards being a multi-ethnic church community so that we can have fellowship in the mystery. We must do that. We must. Lastly this morning, I see the time. I say that every week. The implications of the mystery. Jesus came. Jesus came. He, com- he fulfilled all the law. He brought in a new age. And that age was grace. That age was that you didn't have to, to, to keep all the rules and regulations. Jesus kept them all for you. Look at verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Paul basically says this, I preached the gospel, I explained this mystery to you all through chapter 2, I did it again in chapter 3, I'm trying to like pound this into your head, and here is why. Because we Gentiles, those of us in here that are not Jewish nationally, I believe that's all of us, I don't know, that we Gentiles can come boldly that we can have boldness, that we have access to our Creator through Jesus Christ. That's the implication. Hey, I'm a Gentile. Once again, stop reading your Bible, seeing Jew, and going, oh, that's me. Those other people, they are the Gentiles. Stop reading your Bible that way. It's, it's, a, it's inappropriate. All right, stop. All right, you're a Gentile. That we Gentiles... That we Gentiles have access to the Father. Hey, this morning, you don't have to, and my sympathies and my empathy to those who do do this, but this morning, you don't have to go to a priest. And you don't have to confess to a priest who then will take it to God on your behalf. Hey, that middle man, that middle wall, it was broken. And there's a lot of theology that we're going to cover, and I promise you we'll cover in the New Testament. There's a lot of theology here. But we have access to God. Boldness and access. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Is it? Yeah, I put that little thing in there. Let us, the Jews and the Gentiles, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Paul says this, all of this is true, the mystery is true, the Gentiles can worship with the Jews, as the Jews, as God's people. You can come just believing on the name of Christ and you can be saved. And guess what that affords you? The access to come to God boldly. Boldly. I love that word. I feel sometimes that we might have a prayer life and our prayer life is timid. I feel like we pray weak. I say we, I mean me. I feel like I pray weak prayers. That I pray prayers all the time in the back of my head knowing God's probably not going to do this. But I'm going to pray about it. I feel like that oftentimes I find myself praying prayers, giving God every exit ramp that I can possibly think of. Instead of boldly coming before the throne. Hey, that's why Jesus died. That's one of the main reasons why he died, to give us access. He now is our intercessor. He now is, and all intercessors is this, watch this. An intercessor is just this. That's an intercessor. And that's what Jesus is. No longer is it a priest who stands in between. No, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. We have access this morning. We have boldness and access to God Almighty. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, True prayer is an approach of the soul by the Spirit of God to the throne of God. That's a lot in that sentence right there. It's an approach of the soul by the Spirit of God to the throne of God. It is not the utterance of words. It is not alone the feeling of desires, but it is the advance of the desires to God. The spiritual approach of our nature toward the Lord our God. That's a lot in there, guys. I'm sorry throwing that on you. That's a big paragraph right there. That's a deep paragraph. But prayer is not just the utterance of words. Prayer is not just, I've got a, a wish list like my 10-year-old does for Christmas. Man, did I hear Sears? Sears? Man. How many of you were raised in the good old days like me? And you knew you weren't going to get none of this stuff, but you got the Sears catalog. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on. Yeah. I could be like, how many of y'all love Jesus? And like half of you raise your hand. This one, you're like, yes, that's me. All right, catalog. And I used to go through that catalog with a pen, circling things. Every now and then I put like a star beside it. Like, I really want that one. Now it's like, you know, give your kids your phone and it's like, you know. They'll like put it on your Amazon wish list or something. My kids know more about that than I do. But that Sears catalog, God is not your Sears catalog. Listen, we have bold access to God, and it's not to get our will done in heaven. Mm. It's to get His will done on this earth. It's to pray in His will through His Spirit. It's getting our natures to be in communion with His nature. That's prayer. Coming boldly this morning. Christian, I hope you understand this, that you have unfiltered 100% access to God. And I guess, practically speaking, this morning, do we communicate 
in prayer to our Creator. What was that? I'm showing my age today, guys. I'm sorry. I'm only in my 30s. Say that show, what was like 10 years ago? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Y'all remember that? No? All right, cool. And you had lifelines, right? And man, I always thought, like, if it was the perfect night on that show, I could have won a million dollars. There was a couple times, like, I knew every single one of them. There were others, of like, I'm out at like 250, man. Not $250,000, $250. Like, I'm out, like, first question. So, like, it depends on if I could have got on that show on the right night, right? Keystone would not be meeting in this gym. I can tell you all that right now, all right? <laughs> We'd be in something a little bit, not a lot nicer, but a little bit nicer, all right? Um, but it's like having access to that lifeline and answering the question wrong. It's like having access to the smartest person you know and never calling them. Hey, it's like living your Christian life, having direct access to the one who created you, and just never, never consulting it. Just never speaking. Just never talking to him. Just never walking with him, talking with him. Never uh, engaging with him. Christian, this morning, may we understand the theology of the fact that we have direct access to God. But may we do more than just understand the theology, even though, remember, we need to understand the theology. May we act upon it. May it become a functioning part of our lives. Hey, moms and dads, we got some children who need prayed over. Hey, uh, husbands and wives, you've got a marriage that needs prayed over. Hey, church members and attenders, you got a church that needs prayed over. Can I be real? Church, you got a pastor that needs prayed over. Listen, you, you've got people, you've got friends, you've got uh, relatives, you've got coworkers that need prayed over. We have access to God Almighty. And it's like, we're like, thanks, but no thanks. Okay, whatever. And we just go about our daily lives. God, I'm not, uh, guys, I'm not here to yell at you. I'm not here to, 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 to beat this over your head. I'm here to plead with you to have a real prayer life and a pr- prayer relationship with God through his Holy Spirit. I'm here to beg you tomorrow. You say, what does that look like practically? That looks like tomorrow when you're going into work. You say, God, I'm going into work today. And God, let's be real. He knows. God, I hate my job. That one lady that, that she's in the cube next to me, God, you know. Holy Spirit, will you just guide my thoughts? Will you just guide my words? Will you guide my steps? And God, when, when my flesh wants to say that, Holy Spirit, would you shut my flesh up? God, when my flesh wants to think that, would you shift my mind to beautiful words and wonderful words and words of life? And God, when I, when I, when I want to get home from work and, and, and my kids say this and I want to react, Holy Spirit, would you shut my tongue up? Book of James style. Would you just quench that thing? That's what it looks like. Listen, guys, I'll be, I'm not asking you to get up an hour earlier and spend an hour in sackcloth and ashes, you know, in a closet somewhere with a prayer ritual. I'm not even asking that. I'm asking you to go throughout your day 
with boldness, knowing that you have access to God Almighty. And maybe you wouldn't act so much like you're not a Christian. Maybe we wouldn't respond so much like we're not a Christian. Maybe people at work, when they find out we go to church, we'd be like, oh, for real? God, let's be, for real? You go to church? Okay. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we could, we'd live like a Christian. And I'm not being legalistic here. I'm just being real. Maybe if we talked a little bit more to the creator, God, who has all power and his spirit that lives within us, his holy, powerful spirit that lives within us. Maybe we go to work, and when we invited people to church, they'd be like, I was wondering how long it was going to take you because something's different about you. The way you were two months ago and the way you are now, things have changed. Things have changed. I was wondering. Hey, maybe, maybe our spouse would come to us and go, hey, we need to talk, and it's not a bad thing. Hey, we need to talk. Whatever's going on in your life, like, yes, can we talk about it? Whatever it is. Uh, I, I've noticed that you're spending more time doing this or that your responses are like this. You're, and, and can I just say, I would never embarrass this person for the world. I'm not even, not even going to say if they're here today or not. But there's, there's people in our church who are changing their, 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 their spirit. And they're having family members say, what's different about you? Literally, that's been their testimony. Hey, we've, we're, we're having parents whose kids are going, hey... You're reacting differently to me. Literally. You know why? God, the Holy Spirit, there's prayer. There's communication. Christian, can we open ourselves back up to prayer? Can we open ourselves back up to, to God, our Creator, through the Spirit that lives within us? Because we have access we have access. We're going to get into Paul's prayer next week. We're going to talk about what Paul prays over these churches. We're going to pray it over our church. It's going to be great. But Paul took a little time out. He took a little time out. He said, I want you to remember why I came, Jews and Gentiles. Hey, and oh, by the way, one of the implications of that is you have direct access to God. Paul says, don't come to me. My voicemail's full. <laughs> don't come to me. I'm not answering a text. Listen, right there. Hey, listen, I'm not your priest. I'm your pastor. My job's not to give you the answers. My job's to point you to the one who has all the answers. Hey, my job, my job is not to tell you what kind of car to buy. Please don't do that to me. You know, I'll make a horrible decision for you. My job's not to tell you what car to buy. My job's to point you to the person who's all-knowing and all-powerful. Doesn't mean you can't come to me with problems and issues, but just know this. If you come to me with problems and issues, you know what I'm going to say first? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's get down and pray about this. Let's pray about it. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.